need each other's energy. <laughs> That's a new character. Oh, I'm all right. Apparently. At first, I thought you were doing like an old SNL bit or something, and um, no, no, this is my own personal. It's like the Target lady's voice. No, she might appear. Welcome to Target. <laughs> oh. Palm trees? Where'd you get those? She's up there. It's fair. fair my fair. strong woman character. She's far back in the throat. She sounds like somebody. She's contributing. Who does she sound like? I don't know, Hannah. Fuck. Well. I'm a strong woman. I like reading poetry on the weekends. <laughs> Read me some poetry, bitch. Not on command. <laughs> I'm very independent. You're too strong for that? I'm too strong <laughs> to take requests <laughs> or do other things for other people. I do everything for myself. Oh. Because I'm a strong, <laughs> independent woman. Are you a good witch or a bad bitch, bad bitch, bad bitch? I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if it's naughty to rule your lips, shake your shoulders, shake your hips, and let a lady confess I want to be there. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. Should we do this? Should we do this Should podcast? Should we do a podcast? Should we do a podcast? It's time to start a podcast. Sorry. <laughs> Let's start this podcast. Shit. Hi. That, I, wait. Let's start again. <laughs> no, no. Hello. <laughs> you sound so harried. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Um, I've got it. Hi. Bye. My goodness. All right. Hi. Take two. Hi. hi. <laughs> All my business. Name's, my name's Deanna. My name is Hannah. In the name game, we sound the same. Do we? Yes. I mean. Fan, Hannah, Fanna, Fofana, whatever. Banana, me, my, mo, mana, Hannah. It's the same Deanna. Deanna Fanna Fofana. That's the most roundabout but also adorable way to explain that. You know, all that we have the same last sounds. I, I hear ya. Hello, welcome to another edition, installment, version, incarnation of your favorite new feminist podcast. Called Good Witches, Bad Bitches. There you go. I didn't know if you were gonna make me say that. I didn't either, frankly. Or... I was just deciding in the moment. I like it. Keep me, keeps me on my toes. We're improving. We're, we're riffing off of each other, quite unsuccessfully. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a this is a podcast um, that we do that we talk about history sometimes. Um, a lot of the time we talk about history, um, but sometimes we talk about contemporary events um, and mostly about ladies and the things they have done, good, bad, otherwise, here now. There then. I can't wait for October because I plan on doing some Ooh, weird shit. Witchy, witchy woman. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh-wee. Exactly. Thank you for that intro. It was real good. <sighs> You're welcome. It was beautiful. I just did that for my mom. Oh. This, this, I bet she appreciated that. She loves sounds that come out of the mouth. <sighs> that all sounds come out of the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Or the nose sometimes we go. Hmm. That's true. Some come <laughs> exiting other my nose. Hmm. Bone conduction. I'm in a weird mood. Welcome. Yeah. I'm enjoying just sort of observing it. I was I'm not taking notes, but I probably should be. I was very, very sleepy in the moments leading up to us starting to record. And I think this is a delirious response to try and push through while I'm tired. I like it. Yeah. Well, can I read you an email before yes. oh, you jump yeah. your Please lady? read me an email. And give you your mind a break Was this a at second? a GWBB <laughs> podcast at gmail.com email? Yes, ma'am. <gasps> Fuck. And it was in response to um, last week's episode when I talked about Wilhelmina Fleming and you and I found out as we were recording that Harvard didn't admit female students until 1977. 
Apparently, it is more complicated than even that. And so one of our listeners whose parents both went to Harvard sent us an email about some of that, that complicated stuff. So... This is from Alyssa. Thank you, Alyssa. And she wrote, um, hey, friends, just wanted to chime in on the Ivy League school convo from last week's episode because I have some more info that I think you guys would find interesting. Hell yeah. Yeah. Female Harvard undergraduates didn't technically, quote, receive degrees from Harvard College, the undergraduate school, until 1999. What? So her parents, my parents, who both went there for undergrad and graduated in 89, have different schools listed on their diplomas. Wow. This was in part due to the slow administrative merger, but also in part due to awareness of the historical role of Radcliffe College. Um, Although Radcliffe represented a, quote, separate but but unequal existence for women at Harvard, Mm -hmm. it also represented a history of women who refused to be satisfied with a lesser education and fought for more rights and recognition for over 100 years. And there were many who didn't want to erase or brush aside that history. Hmm. So after the merger of 1977, Radcliffe students were enrolled in Harvard College and Radcliffe, but their diplomas only included the signature of Radcliffe's president. Even after they were admitted to Harvard? Yeah. After 1999, Radcliffe became the Radcliffe Institute for Advanced Study, and female students were no longer funneled through Radcliffe anymore and admitted directly and only to Harvard College. Okay. The Radcliffe Quad is still there today, and most of the buildings are used as houses, Harvard speak for dorms, and administrative offices. Um, she said, for more in-depth info on women at Harvard, Radcliffe College, and the merger, and more history of the badass women of Radcliffe fighting for their right to equal education with their male counterparts, check out this website, um, which I will link it to, link, link it to, in the show notes, because I'm... To. Link it to the show notes. It's um, a, a page where the question has been posed, why do all female undergraduate Harvard students still receive degrees from Radcliffe College? And so the link just explains that more in depth. Wow. Yeah. Um, she also says, P.S., my mom went on to get her master's and doctorate from Harvard School of Education, meaning she has two more degrees from Harvard than my dad. <laughs> While she was earning those, she also gave birth to the three of us of her four kids. Oh, my God. Raised all of us and orchestrated multiple moves, including two international ones. She is both the goodest witch, literally everyone meets her and loves her, and a bad bitch for being able to complete two advanced degrees while dealing with all her kids and husband's shenanigans. I am absolutely the luckiest to have her as a mom. Oh, That's really sweet. Thank you, oh Alyssa. God, I love that. And if anyone else has stories about their fucking good witch, bad bitch, moms and grandmoms and everybody else, send yeah. them to us because I love reading about those things. Thanks, Alyssa. Thank you. But yeah, so that's that's the Harvard stuff. I think that's really interesting. And I'm gonna go I'm gonna go look at that website that website yeah and get more info there too because i just think that that's i can't believe they didn't get harvard on their degrees until <laughs> 1999 i know we remember that year <laughs> vividly that, yeah i still i don't know 1977 was like oh my god yeah that felt like a rug got pulled out from underneath yeah me was, or the record scratch like like yeah. what the fuck really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like 99 is even worse. Yeah. But uh, 99, I, don't know. I think, is, I mean, that's the time my mom was going to college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like Alyssa said, her parents both got degrees in 1989. Yeah. So it was like, yeah. You know? I can, I'm constantly in awe of people who are able to have multiple children be working and be going to school. I feel like I can barely manage one of those things. And, yeah. one, and they're not children because I have no experience with being a parent. So it's really, it is really incredible. Some of the things that women do, especially like peop- women who are moms who are also building careers mm-hmm. and it's just sort of expected of them 
to just be able to do all of this stuff. I mean, you could go back to thanks for typing and yeah. there, there are all these wives who are typing out their husband's manuscripts while also doing all the housework and raising yeah. their kids. And the yeah. husband is literally just sitting there thinking up his book all day. You know, if, if he's a writer, then that's like what he's doing. And yeah. she's helping him with his stuff and also taking care of all just the, the other things. Of just life management that women have had to do. Like there's this woman who she's a family friend of ours. She is, she went to high school with us, but she was, she's a couple years ahead. I don't know if I'll, I'll tell you her name later, but she, so she's two years older than we are. She has four kids. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and she had her first kid when she was 19, which is like incredibly young, but she has since in the meantime managed to get a master's degree in education and she's a teacher. Like I had no idea when she, you know, got pregnant at 19. I was like, Oh, well, cause I was judgmental in 17. I was like, well, there goes her life. Yeah. And that's not at all what happened because women are more resilient than even 17 year old me wanted to give us credit for. Right. <laughs> Which is insane. And I just like, I'm so proud of her. And I'm just, I'm in awe of that because uh, I have a master's degree, but I did all of that without children or a life partner Right. to like, not that that's like, you have to deal with it, but it's an intense relationship that mm -hmm. you devote a lot of time and energy to. And yeah, you know, yeah I absolutely. only had the, I only had the energy and the headspace to devote time to myself while I was going to school. Yeah. So it's amazing to me that someone else could have a husband and four young children yeah. Just and probably a house that they're also trying to take care of mm -hmm. because that's still the expectation. Mm -hmm. No, she and I think she I think that for a while now she's been pro the main breadwinner. Wow. Which is the additional thing. But you know, then dad gets to stay at home and help with the kids. Yeah. But like whew. Yeah, it's a lot. It's really it's really amazing. Which so that's why we want to hear more stories about people you know who have Fuck yeah. You know, Send succeeded in life that way. us. Thank you. Or whatever. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. Would you have a lady to tell me about? I do. Tell me. Tell me. All right. So this week, um, it's not necessarily the most upper or fun one. That's all right. But she's still really fucking awesome. And I want to tell you today about uh, Nirja Banot. Whoa. Don't know. I had no idea either, and she's relatively recent, so mm. we're going to talk today about her. So, um, my sources this week are mostly uh, Wikipedia, India Today, and panam.org. Cool. Ta -da 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 -da. Da -da -da -da. Um, so, Nirja Banot was the youngest recipient and first woman to receive India's Ashok Chakra Award which is awarded for most conspicuous bravery or some act of daring or preeminent act of valor or self-sacrifice. It is India's highest peacetime military decoration or award for courageous action away from the battlefield. Uh-oh, now I'm very curious. Yes. Yes. First woman, youngest, still the youngest to this day, the youngest recipient of this award. Okay. Um, she has also received several other accolades from the government of Pakistan and the United States. Wow. Mm. So she... Okay, I'm just going to let you tell your story. Yeah. But that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's actually like a pretty famous, prominent figure in India, but I don't think she is necessarily... I mean, the thing is, the U.S. gave her a bunch of awards too, so it's kind of amazing to me that she's not more well-known over here. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Blah, 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 blah. She was born September 7th, 1963 in Chandigarh, India, and brought up in Mumbai in a Punjabi Brahmin family, which from what I could gather... Like, Punjabi, I think, has to do with where you're from. I, I'm not going to claim to know for, for certain, but it also meant that she was raised Hindu. Yeah. Um, she mm -hmm. was the daughter of Harish Banot, a Mumbai-based journalist, and Rama Banot, along with two brothers, Akhil and Anish. Her father remembered in an article that he wrote about how she was a miracle baby. Quote, Nirja was a fruit of our long prayers for a daughter. In September 1962 at Chandigarh, where I was posted at the time, the maternity ward matron rang up to inform me that we had been blessed with a baby girl. I was very happy to hear this, and I gave her a double thanks. And she thought I had heard her wrong, so she repeated, it's a daughter. Oh. 
God. Isn't that crazy? Like, they'd been wanting a girl, but, like, the, the prevailing philosophy Attitude. in the 60s, especially in India, yeah. is, like, you don't want a daughter. Right. Yeah. That's just not something you want to deal with. Yeah. God. But he was really happy because they'd been praying for a daughter and they finally got one. Um, <clears throat> she received her early schooling at Sacred Heart Senior Secondary School in Chandigarh. When the family moved to what was then Bombay, now Mumbai, um, she continued her studies at Bombay Scottish School, interesting, <laughs> and then graduated from St. Xavier's College in Mumbai. She was always a no-nonsense kind of young woman. Quote, if she had not done anything wrong, she would never cower when teachers got angry. She would speak her mind and tell them the truth, said one of her classmates. Good for her. Right? Which is, again, I think in that time period, not something that was always a quality desired in young women. Right. She was around 18 years old when she was approached by a photographer outside of her college for a modeling assignment. Once her first ad was printed... Paville, a popular retail store, offered Nirja a contract for another modeling job. And from then on, she became a known face in several ad campaigns. Mm. With her graceful five foot nine height and her confident smile, Nirja went on to feature in ads for Banaka, Vaporex, Charmis Cold Cream, Crackjack Biscuits, Amel Chocolate, Benzer, Chirag Din, etc. She even appeared on the covers of magazines like Manorama. Wow. Uh-huh. As her modeling career was taking off, her family arranged a marriage match for her through an ad with a man based in Sharjah in the United Arab Emirates. So she was 22 at the time, and she agreed to her father's decision without arguing and was married in March 1985 and then moved to be with her husband. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two months into the marriage, it turned very sour. After moving to the UAE with her husband, she was subjected to a lot of mental and physical abuse, all in the name of dowry, weirdly. I don't get it. Why? I'll explain. Okay, okay. She was deprived of both money and food in a foreign country, and she lost nearly 15 pounds in her two months of marriage. Food? Yeah, and money. Like, she wasn't given any financial freedom to go do things. Um. And if you'll remember, she was already a model, so she was pretty thin, like a model yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. So losing 15 pounds is not great. Um, <clears throat> she had to borrow money from her husband to even make phone calls. So insane. The reason for all of this, so before the match was made, it was communicated clearly between the two parties that the marriage would be one that did not have a dowry, which I guess wasn't particularly common No. at the time. That's why people didn't want to have daughters. Yes. Um, But when she reached her new home with her husband, she was told by him that, quote, even a very poor man gives something to his daughter in marriage. So I guess he was just pissed because he was like, I know we said there was no dowry, but I assumed there would be one. I assumed that you guys were going to give me something anyway, because that's the the prevailing um, thought. (laughs) That you should. So this means that you're, you know, deserving of being treated like shit. Clearly. Great. Um, Great. Oh, yeah. It's really fun. Um, The marriage, thankfully, came to an end. Okay. Uh, Nirja went down to Mumbai to do another modeling job. And uh, when she left, she was followed by an aggressive and very ugly letter from her husband. Excuse me. Uh, The letter listed terms for her return. So it's (laughs) like, unless you do X, Y, Z, don't come back. Um, Oh. Yeah. The terms, according to her father, were terms that no person with any self-respect could accept. Great. Yeah. The letter demanded that she accept those terms without complaint and return immediately on her own dime or we will separate. Or goodbye. Or goodbye. Do you know what the terms were? No. I tried to figure it out, but no. But I don't know. Maybe it was just so rude that her family was like, we don't think it's worth going into which is insane. It probably had to do with money. It probably had of to. Of course. Yeah. Maybe contractual, like, you will do this, this, this. Like, I don't know. This, These are the. He must not have expected her to come back. At well, all. I think he was hoping. It's like, you have to make it worth my while if you come back. Otherwise, don't come back. But, but like. Otherwise, I'm <sighs> separating you. Um, he bizarre. also insinuated in the letter that she was no one without him. 
Oh, <laughs> that she would, quote, just a graduate. Oh, how dare she be educated? Okay. That means nothing. So he's pissed that she's educated and... Well-spoken and also... stubborn, and but also no fucking dowry. Even though that's what they fucking said when they agreed to the marriage. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but she wasn't going to be... She wasn't going to accept that kind of treatment anymore. She was like, um, okay. Good. Then, no, we're separating. How long did you say she put up with his... Two months. <laughs> Two months of marriage. Good. And then... I'm glad and, it didn't go on And her family uh, welcomed her back with open arms. They were like, yeah, no. Sorry is, about that. Sorry. <laughs> That's not, uh, not what we meant to happen. So she moved back to India to be with her parents. All right. Um, but after... <laughs> Ending her short and abusive marriage, she kind of really felt the desire to prove herself because, you know, he was basically saying, you're nobody without me. You aren't worthy of, you know, respect or love or whatever. Food. Food. Money. Anything. Mm -hmm. It's insane. It, I, ugh, it's enraging. This man, I hope he burns. (laughs) Um, I feel sorry for whoever ended up being his wife. After oh, her. Oh, God, yeah. Because he probably did maybe he learned his lesson where it's like, oh, no, I definitely need a dowry and it has to be a good one. Yeah, that's his truth. All <laughs> because right. Because she was like a very smart, extremely beautiful woman. So it's not like he was compromising in that way. I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. So she wanted to prove herself extraneously of kind of the black mark of her failed marriage. Yeah. Um, so she applied to be a flight attendant with Pan Am. I was going to say, I, when I realized you got your, one of your sources was Pan Am, I was like, hold on a minute. Yeah. All right, continue. Because in 1985, Pan Am decided they wanted to have an all-Indian cabin crew in it uh, for its Frankfurt to India routes. Okay. So, routes. Um, so she she applied to be a flight attendant. She also had continued her modeling stuff while she was de- doing that. Um, let us remember that this was a time also when air hostesses were cherry picked. Um, yeah, I was going to say the fact that she was a model probably, probably helped. helped. Yeah, no, it definitely helped. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Nirja was selected from ten thousand applications and was picked to be in the top eighty. Wow. Of 10,000. 10,000. Yeah. Um, And when she was uh, selected, she went to Miami uh, for training. Okay. As a flight attendant, but she came back uh, trained as a purser. What is that? A purser on modern airliners. Let's see. The cabin manager, i.e. chief flight attendant, is often also called the purser. Oh. The purser oversees the flight attendants by making sure airline passengers are safe and comfortable. A flight purser completes detailed reports and verifies that all safety procedures have been followed. Oh, fascinating. So they're kind of like the managing flight attendant. I never thought about the fact that every flight must have someone like that. Uh But that makes sense. Yeah. But she went to train as a flight attendant, and they were like, no, even for these cherry-picked flight attendants, you are, like, the best of the best. Like, you have a winning personality, and you're also incredibly beautiful, which is important at this time for Clearly, she was, like, she had a, I mean, I don't know if they could tell this from from the application, but she was a strong enough personality. Yeah. That, like, that probably. Like, very warm and kind, but also incredibly smart. Yeah. Like, that was her general vibe. Yeah. Um... Do, 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 do. Some of her close friends in Pan Am knew of her, like, failed marriage. They say that mm-hmm. Nir just stated that one day, if something happened to her, to make sure that even his shadow would never fall on her dead body. Ooh. So that's what I mean when she, like, really wants to make sure that she wants to make her own way so that this stain on her history yeah. is, is completely irrelevant. Right. And that she's remembered for more than that. I love that. And she was. Um, she was the senior flight purser on Pan Am Flight 73, flying from Mumbai to the United States, which was hijacked by four armed men on September 5th, 1986 at Karachi Airport in Pakistan. The aircraft was carrying 360 passengers and 13 crew members. The terrorists wanted to fly to Cyprus with the goal of freeing Palestinian prisoners there. Nirja was able to alert the cockpit crew as soon as they boarded the plane and the plane was still on the tarmac, so the three-member cockpit crew of pilot, co-pilot, and flight engineer were able to leave the aircraft through an overhead hatch in the cockpit oh, immediately. Wow. So this meant 
after they left that she was now the senior most cabin crew member. Mm. And she was able to kind of take charge of the situation inside the plane. And she was apparently like incredibly calm and efficient through the entire horrific episode. She's 23 at this time, by the way. I just want to. Oh, that's it? She's 23 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, the hijackers, just real quick, were part of the Abu Nadal organization, which is a Palestinian terrorist organization backed by Libya. They okay. were targeting Americans and American assets. In the early minutes of the hijacking, they identified an American citizen, dragged him to the exit, shot him dead, and threw his body onto the tarmac. And oh. they then instructed Nirja to collect the passports of all the passengers so they could identify the other Americans on board. Per her orders... She and the other flight attendants under her charge uh, got all the passports and hid the remaining passports of the 43 Americans on board, some under seats, and the rest were thrown down a trash chute. Wow. So that the hijackers couldn't differentiate between Americans and non-Americans. Whoa. Which is like a crazy ballsy move. Yeah. To be like, oh, you want all, okay, let me just collect them and then buy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, because you're always told, like, in a situation when you're being threatened, do what they want you to do and give them your wallet and give them the things that they're asking for so that you don't, you know. Yeah. But, but that's usually on a smaller scale because, totally. I, like, hijacking a plane is, like, such a dangerous situation with so many people yeah. whose lives are at risk. But I'm sure you're not trained for that moment when they ask you to give every, you know, passenger's passport. So that they could tell who was American. So you have to think on your feet and mm -hmm. decide, like, how you're going to save these people while still doing what they're asking you so that they don't shoot you. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. So um, apparently the ordeal was 17 hours. This plane oh. was just sitting on the tarmac. And there was only oh four God. hijackers, but I mean, you know, when they had, they had like guns. giant guns, they had grenades. Um, and it was just like, all, apparently too, they, um, oh my God, my brain just completely shut down. Um, they wanted her to do something else that she was like, no, but anyway, maybe it'll come back to me. So 17 hours, the hijackers, they opened fire. They started setting off explosives Oh and because they were just like getting impatient because they weren't getting, oh, what they demanded was another flight crew. Once they knew that the pilots and the co-pilot was gone, oh, they were telling her that she needed to call and immediately send a new crew. And of course, oh. one never came. So they were starting to get really frustrated nice. that they weren't getting what they wanted and they couldn't differentiate the Americans from the non-Americans. So they were having a hard time there too because... It just wasn't going their way because they wanted, of her yeah. being in charge. They and wanted another flight crew just so they could get off the tarmac and like Well, they wanted go. to fly to Cyprus. Yeah, okay. So they wanted, All right. you know, I mean, I guess that used to happen a lot more frequently in like the 70s and 80s when people would hijack, try to hijack planes before they took off. <laughs> but I think they probably learned their lesson. Yeah. And now when they do it, they try and do it after it's already in the air. Yeah. Because then the crew can't escape right <laughs> yeah um which is insane anyway um so when they started opening just opening fire indiscriminately and setting off explosives nirja opened one of the airplane doors and started helping the passengers escape um she wow. had the choice to save herself first but she chose to save other people um oh. she was the senior most crew member and saw herself in a sense as the captain and believed she had to be the last person to quit alive or dead Oh. So she immediately started helping the other passengers out of this door. Um, according to a surviving passenger, she was guiding the passengers to the emergency exit. And that is at the moment when the terrorists were firing constantly, fearing a commando attack. Um, they saw Nirja relentlessly trying to help the passengers out. And that's when they caught her by her ponytail and shot her at point blank range. Oh. She was shot while shielding three American children from a hail of gunfire from the terrorists. Her dead body had bullet wounds in the abdomen, in the shoulder near her neck, and in her arm. Oh. She was just two days shy of her 24th birthday. In the normal course of events, she would have been back in Bombay for her birthday with her family, but instead, her family collected her coffin on her birthday from the airport. I hate you. Don't make me cry. I know. It's 23 years old. Like, bah. Out of a total... Of 44 American passengers, only two were killed during the hijacking. Jeez. A child on board, who was then seven years old, is now a, f a captain for a major airline. 
he has stated that Nirja has always been his inspiration and that he owes every day of his life to her. And she was recognized internationally as the heroine of the hijack. In addition to saving the lives of many hostages, she also ensured that the plane would not take off. She posthumously received multiple awards for her courage from the U.S. government and the Tamga-e Pakistan Award from Pakistan, which is an award given for showing great human kindness. Um, all of the hijackers were arrested by Pakistani authorities and sent to prison. In 2001, one of the hijackers who shot at passengers was released under a deal by Pakistan and then was captured by the FBI in Bangkok because the U.S. was like, hell, you can't (laughs) release these people. Um, An Associated Press report from 2009 states the four men were released after completing their jail terms and deported to the Palestinian territories against the wishes of the U.S. government. But there is ambiguity about their whereabouts. The FBI then announced a $5 million bounty for their capture. Um, in 2010, Pakistani intelligence claims one of them was killed, but it was never confirmed. It's like wow. insane. Um, for her bravery, the government of India posthumously awarded her the Ashoka Chakra Award, which I talked about earlier. Yeah. So you now know why. Um, bravery in the face of the enemy during peacetime. They said when they were presenting the award, um, her loyalties to the passengers of the aircraft in distress will forever be a lasting tribute to the finest qualities of the human spirit. And again, I would just like to point out, she's the youngest recipient of this award, and she was the first woman to ever receive it. In 2004, wow. the Indian Postal Service released a stamp commemorating her. Oh. Mm-hmm. After her death, her family set up the Nirja Banot Pan Am Trust with insurance money and an equal contribution from Pan Am. The trust presented two awards every year, one for a flight crew member worldwide, who acts beyond the call of duty and another, the Nirja Banot Award, to an Indian woman who, when faced with social injustice, bravely faced the situation and helped other women in similar social distress. Wow. Mm-hmm. In oh. 2005, her brother went to Washington, D.C. to receive the crime uh, Justice for Crimes Award for her. So it's like continuously oh. she just keeps getting recognized because people are still in awe yeah. of what she did. Yeah. Um, in 2006, she and the other Pan Am Flight 73 flight attendants and Pan Am's flight director for Pakistan were awarded the Special Courage Award by the U.S. Department of Justice. Jeez. Um, do, 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 do. There's like all these awards that she's been given. Uh, uh, in On May 30th, 2018, which is pretty recently, Punjab University inaugurated the Nirja Banot dorm Aww. in the university campus in Chandigarh, which is where she was born. Yeah. Um, her father, Harish, worked as a journalist with the Hindustan Times for more than 30 years and died on New Year's Day in 2008 in Chandigarh at the age of 86. Her mother died on December 5th, 2015. Nirja note, she laid down her own life to save that of 359 others, most of them complete strangers. Like, I can't, oh. it, it would be hard to put your life on the line for people you care about. Like, you would do it. But it would be hard. And she did it for like strangers, complete strangers. Yeah, it takes it takes a special person, I think, to just ha- just have that, you know, just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I sometimes think about the ways I would react in situations like that. And obviously you have no idea until you know. Yeah. You can't you just can't know until you're in it. And so there's, you know whatever you think you would do, take that with a grain of salt. But like, I mean, we all hope that we would be able to step up, but not everybody knows that. Yeah. And it's like insane to me, the level of bravery it took for her to do. Yeah. Well, and the idea of like she did being sort of being the captain of the ship by default Mm -hmm. and therefore taking it upon yourself. Yeah. To make sure that, you know, you go down with the ship where you save everybody. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, Oof. it's a very it's an instinct that especially know, at 23 at 23 I don't think I oof. would have been able to do anything like that at the age of 23 but I don't know well and that's why I mentioned the passport thing and like how you know how it's instilled in us when we're faced with someone threatening us even if it's just a one on a one-on-one thing like you get this idea instilled in you that you give them what they want you know you don't give them a reason to shoot you right. or whatever it is and she had to on the spot 
figure out how to do both things, protect the passengers they wanted to kill and give them what they wanted so that they wouldn't immediately open fire on her right. and prevent her from protecting everyone continually. Right. And that's, cr I mean, it's really just to be able to do that on the spot is And the quick thinking amazing. it took, like, when they, like, at first boarded the plane, she immediately, immediately called the flight crew and was like, get out now. Man. Get out now. I've got this. She is amazing. Right? Thank you. She got rid of that shitty husband and became a hero. How did you find her? I don't even you remember. You were just, I think about I don't that sometimes, even like, remember. how I find half the people she, that I, I... She, I have, like, a list in my email inbox, and every time I, like, find a cool woman, I'll just, like, email it to myself. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm, like, struggling to find someone, I'll remind myself of all, all these women that I've found. There's so many. I know my mom the other day was like, do you think you'll ever run out of women at some point? And I was like, nope. There's no way. No. There is no way. Like, for every one person I find... If we I feel find, like we've run out, then we are failing at our, the, our whole mission statement. There are so many more women than I even thought. Yeah. And and every time I look for one person or I do research on one person, I find ten, 10 more. Or, you like, I'll have women that I've wanted to do from the, the very inception of mm -hmm. this podcast. Yeah. And I still haven't touched them because I keep getting distracted. Yeah, same. By others who are <laughs> exciting to me. Same. And, oh, God. you know, anyway, she was really cool. She was and really cool. This is what I had you not um, see last night. There there was a movie in 2016 that it's a Bollywood movie that they released oh. about her that looks really good and really intense. And her mother was alive while the movie was being shot and was like constantly on set and the the Aww. lead actress who um, played Nerja, like met with her family, and her mother was she like touched her face and was like, "There's so much about my daughter that I see in you." And she was like, "I felt like with that, I had her blessing." And it was like, I just immediately got overwhelmed. And my her God. mom was just like so supportive, and they took it super seriously because they really felt like it was a story that needed to be told with the utmost respect, and like truth they, they didn't want to make a thriller film they wanted to make a heart-based film about a real person with real relationships who saved people who saved 359 people whose life was cut so short like yeah. she's just incredibly incredibly brave and and you know it's it's un, it's unreal to think about yeah like how she must have gotten through that whole ordeal and still had the courage to keep fighting at the end. Like she never showed signs that she was giving up and she never panicked. Like all the passengers were like, she was so calm through the whole thing. So even if she had moments of like wavering, they weren't in front of other people. Right. 23. Anyway. Good, good job, dude. Mm. Well picked. You want to hear some on this day in history? I do. Well, the most important one, this episode, ironically, is dropping on September 5th, which is the anniversary of Nirja's death. Oh, whoa. Which I did not know. Whoa. Until recently, so. <laughs> that's. Yeah, that's 1986, so it's been, yeah, 32 years on this day. Holy since shit. Since she did all that shit that I just talked about. You were tapped into something then when you picked her. You must right? have been because it's weird. There's no way. It's weird because I didn't even realize it until I was finishing up my notes and doing my on this wow. day in history. Because I, I thought about it when I first looked because her birthday was September 7th. And I was like, oh. oh, that's close to her birthday that this episode's dropping. And then by the time I finished, I was like, oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. So thanks, Nirja. Wow, yeah. Wherever Something you compelled are. you. Nirja mm -hmm. compelled you to do this mm -hmm. episode. Mm -hmm. That's so crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. So that's the most important one. But Amazing. I have some <clears throat> that's, I'm. Do you feel chills? Yeah, that kind of floored yeah. me a little bit. Uh, September 5th, 1666, the Great Fire of London ends. Oh, yeah. Okay. 10,000 buildings, including Old St. Paul's Cathedral, are destroyed, but mm. only six people are known to have died. Oh. Right? Well, then, great. Weird. <laughs> September 5th, 1791, uh, Olympe de Gouges 
Mm. writes the Declaration of the Rights of Woman and of the Female Citizen. What's that? I don't know. Okay. Something we're definitely, I mean, Thank we have you to keep, keep note of that name because yeah. that sounds important. And this is probably a moment where a lot of our listeners are like, how the fuck do you not know what that is? <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. I also didn't have time to look into it that much because it's not my main event. Yeah, it's kind of the point of on this day. Uh, September 5th, 1793. The French National Convention initiates the reign of terror in the French Revolution. Oh, goody. Uh-huh. That sounds yikes, fun. Yikes, yikes. September 5th, 1882, the first U.S. Labor Day parade is held in New York City. Yay, Labor Day. Yay, unions and yay, workers' rights. Wow. 1882? Yep. Wow. Yep. All right. Um, also, weirdly... Uh, 1972 was, uh, on September 5th was the Munich massacre, which is when a Palestinian terrorist group called the Black September, called Black September attacks and takes hostage, hostage 11 Israeli athletes at the Munich Olympic Games. Jeez. Two die in the attack and nine are murdered the following day. Whoa. That was like a huge deal at the oh, Olympics. God. But apparently it's September 5th is... Like, early September is a time when terrorists are like, let's go. I feel really fired up. I don't know. It's, ugh, gross. Jesus. <sighs> God, yeah. 1977, Voyager program. NASA launches the Voyager 1 spacecraft, which ah! I thought was always appropriate to talk about science. I know, I love the science. And September 5th, 1638 is Louis XIV's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Louis. September 5th, 1946, is Freddie Mercury's birthday. Oh, Freddie. So much. So much. Um, Deaths. 1548, Catherine Parr, sixth and last queen of Henry VIII of England. R.I.P. But she was the last one, so she outlived him, which is, you know. Oh, yeah. Good on her. Yeah. Go Catherine. It's amazing he lived as long as he did. Um... Obviously, 1986, Nirja. 1997, Mother Teresa died on September 5th. Oh. R.I.P. Oh, wow. Mother Teresa. What year was that? 1997. Okay. Wow. She was born 1910. Oh, my God. She was old as hell. Mother Teresa. I know. (laughs) Goodness. But anyway, that one was another kind of dark one. I do those sometimes. We all do. God, was she, like, inspiring. Hannah, what are you excited about this week? Rom-coms. Rom-coms? <laughs> You're excited about rom-coms. I'm Lay excited. It on me, biatch. I'm excited that they're, like, coming back. Mm. Ben argued with me the other day that they never left, but I think they they had a dip, and now there are a bunch they on, like... They had a like, dip in their reputation. Yeah. There were... Yeah, I mean, it's not I like think. they stopped making them, but they didn't... They weren't making, like, really high-caliber ones. And the scripts were kind of weak or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The the rom-com that's actually charming and quirky and more believable. Not believable even. It's just like it's it, it more feel good and less yeah. like cheesy like okay, I mean, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Is definitely making a comeback. Yes. So you and I watched To All the Boys I've Loved Before. So cute. A couple of weeks ago. And so I, cute. I ended up watching it again with some friends because they hadn't seen it and I liked it enough to watch it again. Totally making Alex watch it when he gets here. He's prepped. I've told him. Do it. Good. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely worth watching. It's mm. really, I mean, it is, it's based on a young adult novel. Take that, you know, however you will. It's a teen rom-com. It's a teen rom-com. Which is very specific in its tropes and yeah. in its... But it it has, like, a breath of fresh air in it, I yeah. think. And both of the leads are incredibly charming. And They're so sweet. And really likable. Yeah. Yeah. And so we watched that, and then uh, Ben and I went and saw Crazy Rich Asians. Mm. Uh, have you seen it yet? No. Not yet. You should go see it. It's very, um, like you were saying, feel good, I think is the correct... The correct word. Although I will say, for someone like me who is kind of at times a pretty extreme introvert, there was a lot about it that caused me some anxiety. I believe that. Because if you don't know the premise, I mean, I haven't read the books, so some of you it's may have an read the books. In law group. But yeah, it's about this woman who finds out her boyfriend ha- has a lot more money than he has 
um, told her, and his his family is a very wealthy family in Singapore, and so he's invited her to go home to Singapore with him so he can be the best man at, in his friend's wedding, and she's going to attend this wedding with him. And the reason I say it got stressful for me is just because she's this, you know, girl from New York, and she grew up in an apartment with her single mother, and she ends up going to all of these crazy, lavish parties, and there's so much excess. You know, and, and Kevin Kwan, the writer of the books, knows what he's talking about when it comes to the Crazy Rich Asians because he sort of embedded himself with a lot of different people while he was researching huh. this novel. Yeah. So he knows that world. He he understands it very innately. So a lot of this stuff is I've totally heard some true. banana stories. Yeah. No, my, one of my good friends... She has a friend from college who's from Korea and is insanely, insanely rich. And so when she got married, she like flew all of her U.S. friends out, put them up in this massive penthouse sort of place. Mm -hmm. They had two weddings, one that was <laughs> traditional Korean and uh -huh. one that was Western. Uh-huh. And yep. they were both extremely lavish. Mm -hmm. And they made a music video... A high production music video oh to Frozen's Love is an Open Door. <laughs> like her parents hired a whole crew so that they could Whoa. make this cutesy. And I was like, wait, what? Like a real crew? Like professionals? Yes. Uh-huh. And a makeup crew and uh -huh. lighting. And they spent a whole day shooting this cute and like, I'm sorry, but just the flights alone, like flying out all your American friends. Mm-hmm. I First know. class, I think. Yeah, they, they do a lot of that in this movie. At one point, um, for the bachelorette party, a private island is rented out. Like yeah. I won't, I won't have, I won't insert spoilers, but like that's just an example of some of the very excessive, it's insane, crazy things. So in that aspect, it um, was a little anxiety-inducing for me. I would times. feel uncomfortable in a group of, like, super rich people. Yes. I feel that way watching Succession. I'm like, I can't be around these yeah. kind of people. Yeah. I would feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> I would just be... They are so comfortable in their money and their excess, and it is something that's so foreign to me that I just... They, they're, they like, uh, from a different planet. Oh, yeah. Anyway. So, but Crazy Rich Asians as a rom-com is very sweet and it has some great characters and uh, like Aquafina is fucking awesome. But yeah. So that's I'm just excited the to of see the rom -com. And yeah, I'm curious to see what else comes up cuz Netflix is putting them out, you That's know? what so I I went to a screening of To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which is why I encouraged us to watch it oh, together. Right. Yes. I was invited to a screening, which it was really cool to go to see a Netflix movie in a theater. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, and they were saying that that's the thing is that because Netflix has members and can keep data on what they're watching, what they're searching for, what they want, they could tell that they had a gap in their romantic comedy, like, uh, production. So and, fascinating. And, yeah. And so they were like, let's uh, invest in that, mm -hmm. which is kind of creepy, but also kind of awesome. That's how they've, I mean, that's how Netflix does it, does their thing. And right. that's why, I mean, that's how they um, came up with, what am I trying to say? That's like where Orange is the New Black came from, mm -hmm. is they were like, they were crunching some numbers and they were like, this show would fit really nicely in with these audiences and yeah. Stranger Things would fit really nicely in but with Orange these the audiences. Orange is the New Black was kind of one of the first Netflix or Netflix Netflix originals. Yeah, and to, they to really get huge, right? Because they were using that data that you're talking about, and it was right. kind of the first time that they had started looking at those numbers very closely in right. order to develop their own properties. Sure. So it's interesting because yeah. it's clearly worked really well for them thus far. And now all anyone can talk about is how Netflix is going to bring back the rom com. You know. Well, good. I hope they so, do. Yeah, me too. They're off to a good start. I agree. <laughs> so, Thanks. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Is that it for this one? For this episode? For this week? I think we are done. So we'll shut our pie holes and let you get back to your regularly oh scheduled life. You just remind me that we have pie, and that's what I'm going to eat. Pie, 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 pie. 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 
All right. Um, please help us out by telling your friends. Yeah, tell your friends to podcast. listen. Tell them to give us five stars. Yeah, mm-hmm. tweet about it. We love it when people tweet about this podcast because it helps us yes. get listens. Um, we're on Twitter and we're on Instagram under GWBB Podcast. So Facebook, too. Reach out. Yeah, on Facebook, too. Um, if you want to send us a story like the one we listened to or uh, that we read at the beginning of this, email us at GWBBpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Um, and we'll check those out. And otherwise, rate, review, and subscribe as per usual, please. Thanks. Thank you. Peace out, witches. Bye. Thank you for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you for listening. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, and more. Basically, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Mm-hmm. If you like our podcast, it would be really helpful if you could please like and subscribe, rate and review, share with your friends on social media, word of mouth, mm-hmm. all of that. It's great. Yes. And you can find us on Twitter at GWBB Podcast. Instagram is the same. And we are on Facebook under Good Witches, Bad Bitches Podcast. And hey, guess what? If you want to hear all of our episodes, they are all up at our website, GWBBpodcast.com. If you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to share with us and that you want us to share on our podcast at some point, you can email us at gwbbpodcast at gmail.com. Hey guys, you know what? If you like what you hear, maybe please consider a little bit of supporting us financially by visiting our tip jar. Um, The link is in the show notes. Every little bit helps. It just kind of makes it so that we can keep this going so that it has some longevity. So just think about it. See see how you feel about it. Or you can support this podcast directly by buying us a coffee on our Ko-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> so that is ko-fi.com slash GWBB podcast. Um, coffee start at $3 because that's generally the price of a fancy coffee and it just helps us keep the ship going. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is produced by Moon Bounce and powered by Pine Boom, boom, boom. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening.